This is Lance Turner, pastor at Grow Church. We'd like to thank you for joining our podcast. We pray the message today stirs your faith and it causes you to grow. Enjoy the message. Wow, what a powerful time of worship. Amen. Can y'all turn the lights up on back there? I'm gonna, I want to see my friends. I got some friends in the room today. Amen. I love you. I'm so glad you're here. You guys look good on this Super Bowl Sunday. Anybody ready for the Super Bowl? How many people want the Chiefs to win? You're in my corner right there. You San, you San Francisco fans, it's okay. You know, I think, I think we're going to take it home today, the, can, the, the Chiefs. Amen. Well, I'm glad you're here today. A couple of things before I, I jump into my message. Uh, you heard Josh mention the I Will initiative, and some of you may be wondering what that is. And I, I wanna, just want to take a minute to say, if, you, if you're connected to Grow Church and you love this place, um, we, we have these opportunities where I'm, sh- I'm going to be sharing with you what I feel like God's put in our heart to do over the next two years. And it, listen, it, folks, it centers around the vision and mission God's given us. How many of you know God has a vision and mission for a grow church? Come on, that was weak. How many of you know he has a vision? So here's what I want to do. I want to kind of just lay out to you, for you, what I feel like God's put in our heart to do. And, and how many of you know where God gives the, the mission, he also gives the resources to accomplish that mission? Amen. He's a God that provides. And so what I want to do is I want to just lay some things out for you uh, and just tell you where I, where I feel like God's taken us. And it's going to be a powerful, it's not going to last but about an hour. It's going to be a great day. We're going, we'll give you a little snack, a little foot, some food. But I just want to share with you my heart for where I, where I see God taking us the next two years. So the next one is this Saturday coming up, February 8th at 10 a.m. right here at the church. So I'd love for you guys to go to the kiosk, get on the church center app, and sign up for that, okay? Hey, okay? All right. So I'm looking for my Grow Church people to, to show up and hang, hang out with me for a, an hour or so, okay? The second thing is, is we, you know, we're launching groups today, and we've heard, we, we've heard us talk a lot about that. I think those the groups are so vital to the life of our church. First of all, it's biblical, Acts chapter 2, if you go read it, that they met together in homes, and they, and they fellowshiped, and they studied God's Word together, and they held each other accountable, and they prayed for each other. So if you've not signed up for a group for this semester, I would love for you to, to do that. I'm leading a group called Freedom, and it's, it's, every week, or every few days or so, I'm getting more and more people signing up for that group. It's going to be an awesome 12 weeks, and so if you want to sign up for that group, it's on Wednesday nights. At 7 p.m., there are other groups going on. You can just go take a look at the kiosk. But that, that one, I think, is really going to, man, it's, it's a transformational type deal. So you want to be a part of that. Are you guys ready to dive into the Word of God today? Y'all got to sound more. Listen, I told the first service I was going to buy everybody Starbucks coffee. It's too late for that right now. Just as later in the day, you guys should be awake already. How many of you have already had your coffee? How many of you had like five cups already? If you've had five cups, you need to come preach because you've got all the energy today. <laughs> Can you turn the lights up just a little bit more for me? I want to see you guys. Can they help me out with that? Bring them up. Bring them up. Bring them up. Okay. There we go. Thank you, guys. Are you, can you give our media guys a hand? They serve, listen, they serve week in and week out. And most of the time, you don't notice they're there, right, because they're, they're doing their job. It's great. Every once in a while, something happens. But you know what? Even though something happens, they're still giving their time, their talent, their, and they're, man, they're a blessing to our church. Amen. 
And you don't get to see them, but they're awesome people. All right? Can we say thank you to them? Amen. All right. So we're, we're starting a new series today called This Is Us. Anybody ever seen the movie of the show This Is Us? All right. So here's what we're doing. So this is a family series, and This Is Us is all about families. And so if you've watched the show, you know it's about a couple. Uh, their name is Jack and Rebecca Pearson. And they have, they're pregnant with triplets. Whoa. And so the, story, the, the very first episode opens up with her pregnant, and she goes into labor, and they have the three triplets. The first two are born healthy. The last one is born stillborn. So already the very first part of that, they're facing tragedy. Well, here's, some, here's another part of the story. At the same time, there's a guy who takes his little baby, and he takes it to the fire station. His bio, the biological father takes the baby to the fire station and drops him off at the fire station. And so the, the firemen proceed to take the baby to the hospital. Now, this baby is, um, you know, the, the Pearsons, you know, they're, they're Caucasian. They're white. And so this little baby is African-American. So they take the baby to the hospital and... You know, here it is, Jack, his wife's had the baby. So he's standing there looking at his two, mourning the death of his, his third one. And this fireman comes up and starts talking to him about his babies. And then he goes, see that baby over there? I just brought that baby that somebody left him at the fire station. And so Jack and Rebecca decide to take that baby home with them. And so they still have three now. Now, the reason I, I want to kind of use this stories because if you've seen the, the show, you know that it's well-written. It's a, it's a well-written show. And the reason I think it's so popular is because people can relate to it. You, you see those people in the show. You see their struggles. You see the ups and downs of their life. And you know that, man, I can identify with these people. And so this show is a good springboard for us to talk about family. Are you ready? You ready? Lean in today because I think I'm going to help you. So here's what I want to say. The first thing, if you're taking notes, number one, the family was God's idea. Before the church, before he established the church, God established the family. At the very beginning of time, it was in God's heart to create the family. And that's exactly what he did. Those of you who've read the book of Genesis, you know in Genesis chapter 1, he begins putting this thing together. And I believe that from the very outset of it, that God wanted the family to be a perfect example of relationship. And I believe at the outset, it was perfect. Because in the garden, everything was perfect. God created it all perfect. And so what, here we see this picture in the book of Genesis of God walking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. And there was fellowship, and it was perfect. The perfect fellowship with him and Adam and Eve had perfect fellowship with each other. So I believe it's God's intention for you and your family to be thriving in your family. How many of you believe that this morning? How many of you want that for your family, to be thriving and flourishing? I believe that, and that's, I believe that's God's intention for your family. So let's take a look in the book of Genesis. We're going to read this, these passages together, and I want you to see something. He said, so God created human beings in what? His own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. 
Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So you'll notice the language of those two verses. The first thing you need to understand is that God created us in His image. What's, what's so important about that? If you think about God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in perfect unity, in perfect fellowship with each other. It's a picture of God, what God wants for us in our families, in our relationships. Y'all follow me so far? The other part of that is the language of verse 28 is he said he wanted them to be blessed. Does that sound like a family that flourishes to you? How many of you want that for your family? You want your family blessed. And so this is God's intention from the very beginning that your family walk in favor, that your family walk flourishing and, and blessed and thriving. That's good news because there's hope for our families. Now, some of you may look at, look at it and say, you know what, Pastor, when I look at my family, I don't see that. There's hope today, and I'm hoping this message will, will just put a whole shot of hope in you for your family today. Let's go to uh, chapter 2 of, of Genesis. Look at, look at this. Here's what he says. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Don't you love that? One translation says a helper. Yeah, a part, I like to think of it as a partnership. Like, you know, the people, that, the way that God puts your, your lives together, your marriages together, that God had the right person in mind for you. Why don't you just turn to your your, your if you have your spouse here and say, hey, you're, the right, you're right for me. Come on. Tell them. The husband, you lead the way in that, right? So here's the deal. Here's the, oh, ha-ha. You're the right one for me, baby. I told her, I, I said in the first service I wanted to tell her that because she's the right one for me. Amen. Come on, somebody. We got a little marriage retreat going on right here. Maybe stir up some love a little bit. Little romance going on here. So this was God's intention. He says, I'm going to put the right person in your life. You're going to partner together, right? Let's keep reading. He put the rest of that up there for me. So the Lord God formed the ground, all the animals and all the birds of the sea. He brought them to, to the man to see what he could call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock and all the birds of the sky and all the wild animals. But there was no helper just right for him. Something's missing, baby. Amen? That helper. Look at this. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Verse 22. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. Verse 23. At, at last. Can you see the excitement on his face? How many of you, when your wife or your husband walks through the door from work, it's like, at last, come on. How many of you say that? I hope you do. And then he says, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. You see how closely knit this relationship and marriage is supposed to be? They're, they're a part of me. One flesh, right? And then he says, she will be called... Whoa, man. Can you imagine the first time he sees Eve? Whoa, man. Guys, come on. 
Listen, I'm going to challenge you guys. The next time your wife walks through the door, whoa, man. I like calling it uh, depositing money in the bank of love. Come on. Making some deposits. Because how many of you know sometimes you have to make withdrawals? Sometimes you're going to get on their nerves. No, no elbows, no elbows. But I'm here to tell you, folks, this is what the relationship's supposed to look like. He's painting this picture in these verses of what, here's what I intend for marriage and the family to be, okay? Verse 24. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united as one. You notice that? One translation says cleave. Cling to. Don't leave their side. That's why it's real important that when you stand before a preacher and for God, for you and her to say, it's all us now. It's me and you now. Now, get, I, I'm not against loving mommy and daddy. I'm not against that. But, folks, you got to leave. And you got to cleave. Amen. So I, I get it sometimes financial things are, you know, it's possible, you know, it's impossible to make it sometimes. And so you got to live with mom and dad. That's, that's great. That's okay. But not for long. Amen. And listen, when the problems and the trials come, you ain't running to mommy. You run to each other. Are you hearing me today? Folks, I'm preaching. I'm helping somebody. And so what does he say? He says they were naked and they weren't ashamed. Why? Because they were in perfect relationship. Hallelujah. So what's God's intention for your family? He wants it flourishing. He wants it thriving. Here's the second point I'm making. Well, let me, let me, there's a couple other things. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Can y'all bear with me for a second? I'm getting so excited. I'm forgetting some stuff. So as I was studying, I, I ran across an article, and, and I love what this writer says. He said, the family, listen to this closely, the family is God's masterpiece of creation. Again, some of you are like, what? Have you seen my family lately? It's a mess. But folks, that's not how it's supposed to be. And I'm going to tell you today, God, there can be more. It can be better this morning. Amen? Your families can flourish. And I'm going to help you hope today. Here's another thing. When we look at the, we look at the family relationship, we begin to see a picture of God and us. This relationship. Because marriage is a perfect picture of God's love for the church. Amen? And he loved his church so much. He loved you and I as individuals so much that he went to the cross for us to prove to us his love. And so the representation there is the marriage, the family, is a closely knit recommend, uh, reflection of what Christ is with his church. Amen? Second thing is, if you're in a family, most of the time there's kids involved, right? And so you have to be a parent. How many of you know as a parent, there are ups and downs? One day, you want to eat them up. You love them. Man, them, them babies are sweet. And then the next day, I want to snap your head off. Listen, I brought you in this world. I'll take you out. Anybody ever said that? It's the ups and downs of being a parent, right? What it shows us is, our relationship to God as His kids, there are times when we blow it. 
More often than not, don't we? But his patience and his love for us, he walks us through that. And so the, the family is a picture of God's love for his church and his love for us. Amen. Isn't that good to know? That's why he said it's a masterpiece of creation because it's a reflection of our relationship with him. Now we can move on. Number two, we need to place a high value on our families. Would you agree? Because God intended for the relationship in the family to be one of such where there's nurturing and guidance and protection and forgiveness and love, we need to understand because that's the reality, that's what God wants, then we need to be willing to make the investments to make that true. Because we value family, we say, I'm going to invest, and I'm going to make sure that my family's thriving and growing. You've heard us read the scripture before, John 10, 10. I'm going to put it up there again. Because if you, when you look at this, you'll see what God has in mind for your family, but also you'll see what the enemy has in mind for your family. Read this with me. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So God's intention for your family is a rich, full, alive family. Here's what I like to say. Fully alive people have fully alive families. Fully alive people have fully alive families. And so that's God's intention. But the enemy has, has different things in mind for you, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But here's what I want to say. If you believe that God really wants your family to flourish, then you're going to make some investments. And so I'm going to give you, I'm going to ask a question. What kinds of investments can we make in our families? I'm going to get real practical right here, okay? Can I give you some, some tips for investing? Number one. Spend time doing fun things with your kids and your family. How many of you like to have fun? I, I, was, I, grew up, I, I grew up around the metro Atlanta area. Born in Florida. Again, I'm not a Florida fan. I'm a Georgia fan. But I'm also a Braves fan. Anybody, any Braves fans in here? Anybody like the Atlanta Braves? Oh, come on. Oh. So when I was a kid... We lived, in, we lived in Smyrna, which is only about, what, 25, 30 minutes from here? And my dad worked for the Georgia Bureau of Investigation in downtown Atlanta. And so back then, if, you, if you've uh, been a Braves fan for a while, you know that was, a, that was a fun time. The late 70s and early 80s was an awesome time in the history of Braves baseball. I'm being sarcastic. A hundred lose, lose, instead of a hundred win seasons, it was a hundred losing seasons. So we'd go, to the, we'd go to the ballpark, and, man, it was fun. Still fun. Nobody hardly there, but, and we could sit anywhere we wanted to pretty much. But y'all remember, does anybody remember going and seeing Chief Nakahoma? Anybody know who Chief Nakahoma is? So the guy would run out from the, back, from the outfield all the way up into, and just do a little Indian dance around the mound, and he'd blow fire out. Of course, I guess for, after a while it got kind of old, so they did away with Chief Nakahoma. And he wasn't helping them win for sure. That was for, he definitely wasn't a good luck charm. And so my dad would take us to the Atlanta Braves, the games, you know. And I, I grew up loving Dale Murphy and Bob Horner. And you guys know those guys? Rick Camp, Gene Garber. I mean, there's a bunch of them. But it was fun. 
And it was an opportunity for my dad to invest in us as a family. Now, here's, another, here's a little funny thing. My mom did not like to go. And we took her one time. Bad idea. So if you've ever been to a Braves game, you know that sometimes, unfortunately, you have to pass alcohol down the road sometimes, right? So the very first time my mom goes to the Braves game, it's packed. And that was actually one of the years that they were actually pretty good. So we're sitting in like in the you know, squished in the middle there. And, and so this guy goes, hey, and he's right here near my mom. Hey, 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 Waves the, the vendor over and he's wants, he wants a beer. And then my mama gets in it, like a little bit of splashes on her. And she's like, I love you guys, but I'm not going back. So it's, it's, it's important for us to understand the, the, the beauty and the value of investing and having fun with your family. Because you can make memories with them, right? And it gives you an opportunity, even in the fun, to, to teach, to train your kids in having fun. Here's another one. Spend time with them reading and praying together. Your family, your kids need to see the value of investing in a relationship this way. A couple of weeks ago, you heard me preach about the idea, if you, want to re- if you read your word, you pray, you worship, that's a connection with God. It's not out of obligation or a legalistic set of rules. No, it's a relationship that you're building. And your kids need to see the value that you place on your relationship with Jesus Christ. And so when you invest in that, when you take the time and sit around with your kids, maybe it's every night or in the morning, wherever it is, and you're reading to them and you're praying with them, what are you teaching them? You're teaching them the value of this relationship. I remember when my kids, they were younger. They were three or four years old. We bought them one of those little picture Bibles. Anybody ever have that for your kids? And we would sit down every night. And we would read a story out of, out of that picture Bible. And we would pray. Folks, I'm not saying that guarantees where they'll, they'll end up. But I guarantee you're setting, you are setting them up for success in that. And the beauty of that is, this, just this morning... Most of you that know my, my sons, both of them are training to be ministers. And they, I, yeah, yeah, get, yeah, it's awesome. Praise be to God, right? And so just this morning, I get, a, I get a text from my youngest son, Tyler, and he's got a picture of Garrett. Garrett's on the stage, and Garrett's in the worship practicum, and so he's, he's on the keyboard, he's playing. And he goes, Dad, both of your boys at the same campus today. I'm like, yes, Lord, yes. But that investment that I made in them 20-something or 18 or so years ago, I'm seeing the fruit of it right now because they love Jesus. They don't mind getting in his house. They don't mind getting in his word. They don't mind praying. Why? Because we made that investment. So if you want a family that's thriving, make that investment into them. It'll pay off, folks, I promise you. Here's another one. Let them see you. Worshiping God corporately. Let them see you making church attendance a priority. When you get up with them and you say, hey, we're going to church today. We're going to worship God because he's good. And when they see you lifting your hands and singing about the mercy of God, the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God, you know what you're doing? You're investing. And then when they see you go beyond that and say, you know what, God, I know. I know that you have put something in my heart to do for the kingdom of God, for the body of Christ. 
And I'm going to discover what God has gifted me and wired me to do. And I'm going to use it to minister and connect to the body of Christ. I'm going to use it to serve the body. You know what you're doing? You're teaching them about purpose. And when they see you do that, they'll fall asleep. Amen. Spending time worshiping and serving together at church is investing, is making the family a priority, placing a high value on them. And I guarantee you, folks, you'll see it. You'll see the return. Now, we've talked a lot about this part of it, that that God wants your family to to be thriving and flourishing. But, you know, you realize there's some reality, reality to what we're facing right now, right? I mean, you look at it, you know, some of you, you, you walked in today, man, my family's a mess. Well, you know where that comes from, right? Remember the first part of John 10, 10, the Bible says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, it, that story, that reality started back in Genesis. Because remember, Genesis 1 and 2, man, things are great, yeah. We're thriving, we're fully alive. And then something happens in Genesis 3. It falls apart. Adam and Eve are deceived into eating the fruit in the garden. And from that point on, things changed. It went from being a perfect relationship to broken. And it's, there's trouble. And it doesn't take long. From that point of disobedience to where it begins, really begins to manifest. If you jump to Genesis chapter 4, you'll see the first signs of dysfunction in the family. Anybody know what it is? Cain and Abel are brothers. Brothers. And because of a sacrifice that one gave that seemed to be better than the other, one of them kills the other. What's the root of that? It's the sin that Adam and Eve brought into the world by their disobedience. And here's what we see emerge. We see jealousy and distrust emerge in that relationship. And because of the jealousy and because of the distrust, what happens? We see it acted out in murder. Dysfunction. And it continues to get worse. If you journey on through the book of Genesis, you'll see the story of Jacob and Esau. Esau is the firstborn, and so he has a right. And the birthright's a real big deal in the Old Testament, right? And so Esau gives up his birthright, the blessings of being the firstborn son over a bowl of soup. And it's all because Jacob deceives Esau. And here's the even worse part. Mom's in on it. Yeah. His mother... Helps Jacob deceive. Amen. And what do you see? You see lying and deception. Because of that, dysfunction. You journey on it later in the, in the Genesis, and you see the story of Joseph. Anybody ever heard of Joseph in the coat of many colors? You realize that coat was a, was a means of dysfunction, right? Because because Jacob favored, showed favoritism to Joseph by giving him that coat, you know what happened? Dysfunction, resentment, and bitterness build up in all the other brothers. And you know what their plan was? Let's kill him. 
Thanks be to God, God had a plan for Joseph, and that didn't happen. But I'm here to tell you, it did not decrease the effects of the dysfunction in their family. So you can see a problem that's emerging in families all over the world as a result of Adam and Eve's disobedience. Dysfunction. Now back to the, the story, the Pearsons. If, you'll, if, you've, if you've watched the, the show, you'll notice that the neat thing about it is they take, they take images of the kids as, when they're kids as children, and then they also show when they're adults. And as adults, they're pretty messed up. Kevin. Kevin, the movie star. The guy that's, that all the, the girls are after because of his looks and his chiseled body. He's self-absorbed, and he's prone to alcoholism. Where did he get that from? Well, you know what? Dad struggled with alcoholism. Granddad struggled with alcoholism. And so here's Kevin struggling. Dysfunction. And then there's Kate. Anybody know Kate? Kate's the only, only girl in the, in the, in the family, well, besides the wife, of course. And she's struggling with her weight. She's overweight. And she's been, she struggled with being overweight her whole life. And now she's grown up as an adult with self-esteem issues because of her weight problem. Can anybody identify? And then there's Randall. He's the, he's the baby that was left at the fire station. The African-American Randall. He is a perfectionist. He, he wants everything to be perfect. And because of it, he puts undue stress on himself and has a nervous breakdown multiple times. Dysfunction. Can anybody identify with any of those three? Or maybe you're like Jack, who's the dad. He struggles with alcoholism. Struggles with those demons of his addiction, of his dad's addiction, of how he grew up. And then Rebecca, she's trying to be the perfect mom and struggles on and on. So that's a pretty big picture you're painting, Pastor, of, of families and how dysfunctional they are. That's just the reality, isn't it? Listen, you can't change something until you face reality. And maybe you need to take an inward look and say, you know what? Uh, my family's pretty dysfunctional, and maybe I'm part of the problem. That's a hard thing to do, isn't it? But here's what God wants to do. God wants to get to the root of the issue. He don't want to put no band-aids on anything, does he? No, he's in, the, he's in the business of transformation. He's in the business of getting to the root so, the, so there can be a change. Amen. So I've given you some pretty bad news. What I want to do now is offer you some more hope, okay? So this third point is, if you want, let me ask you a question before, we, before I do that point. Do you have a vision for your family? What you want your family to look like. Anybody, has anybody ever stopped and taken that? Here's what I want my family to look like. Yeah? That's a good question to ask. Here's another question. If that's true, you have a vision, then what are you going to do about it? How you, are you going to make it a reality? I want to help you with that. Okay? So keep that in mind. The vision that you have for your family. Y'all with me? So here's the third one. The gospel, folks, listen to me. The gospel is the remedy for a dysfunctional family. The gospel is how you get to thrive. Amen? And it starts with the moment that you say, Lord, you know, I'm a sinner. I've messed up. 
I need your forgiveness. Like we sang earlier, I need your grace. I need the blood of Christ to wash me clean. The moment that you do that, something happens, doesn't it? Here's how the book of Corinthians describes it. What does it say? It says, this means that anyone who does what? Say word belong. Do you realize you're in the family of God the moment you confess Christ as Lord? So you belong to the family of God. And look, here's the outcome. Whoever belongs to Christ has become what? A new person. There is an opportunity for you to have a, a new life. And it's very real. Look at it says, the old life is gone. That means all your stuff, all your dysfunction, all the stuff that you've been battling with, you can leave right here today and move on to a new life. Amen. That's the starting point. So the gospel is how you get to a thriving family. And I want to make this ultra practical, as practical as I can. So the remedy for these issues is the gospel. When Christ comes in, folks, things change. His dealings, I want you to get this. His dealings with us are an example to follow. So, in other words, how Christ has dealt with you up to this point in loving you and going to the cross for you is how you can deal with each other and therefore get the outcome of a thriving family. His dealings with you are an example to follow. So here's how it works. We ask ourselves the question, how do we apply the gospel to our lives, to our issues? Number one, you have to receive the unconditional love of God. Love of God. How many of you believe he loves you unconditionally? Let's read together 1 John chapter 4. We know how much God loves us. And we have put our trust in his love. Read that line with me. It's in yellow. God, God is love. And so when we experience new life in him, really what we're doing is we're experiencing the new life in Christ. Let's keep reading. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And so God's on the inside wanting to do a work in you. Amen. And as we live in God, our love, I love this part, our love grows more what? Purpose, say it out loud. Remember what we saw in the Garden of Eden? What did we see? Perfection. Now, I realize that you and I, we're, we're flawed. And so as long as we're in this life, as far as how we behave, there's, there's going to be some flaws. But I'm here to tell you, because of Christ being in the mix, it can be perfect. And that's what's happening. There's a growth toward maturity and perfection. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus in this world. Earlier today, as we were praying before the early service, uh, Barbara, one of our prayer partners, the last two weeks, man, this, this lady's on point today and last week too. She's like, I, I sense that, that God's saying that we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to fear because of love. And I was like, this is the second week in a row she's been on target because I told her, I said, look, we're reading John, 1 John 4 today, and look what it says. Such love has no fear. Why? Why is that? Because perfect love does what to fear? Pushes it out. The love of Christ expels fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Folks, here, I'm here to tell you right now. God wants to transform you, but if you're hard-hearted, if you have not opened yourself up to the love of God, you're still walking in fear. You're worried about how God feels about you. 
That changed the moment Christ said it is finished on the cross, folks. He loves you. And it's up to you to receive his love. It's an experience. It's not a head knowledge. It's a heart knowledge of God. Amen? God's done something on the inside. And here's the part I want you to really understand. Verse 19, what does it say? We love who? Each other. Why? Because he first loved us. And so here's the, here's the application. I can love my family. I can love my wife. I can love my husband. I can love my kids because God first loved me. And I'm an expression of that love. Y'all follow me? Here's another one. The love of God is what transforms the heart, right? Ephesians chapter 3. I got a lot of scriptures to show you today, okay? I'm hoping this is laying this foundation. Here's, here's Paul's prayer for you. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources. How many of you know God's not limited in what he can do? He's an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving God. And so he says out of his glorious resources, that he will in, empower you where? In here. In your inner man through his spirit, through the Holy Spirit. Keep reading. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts. As you trust him, your roots, what happens? Grow down deep into his love. Folks, we talked about this the last couple of weeks. If you want to grow spiritually, what do you do? You, you grow roots. You grow deep roots of, in God's love. And what happens is there's a fruit that comes out. So if you want to be able to love your family the way you're supposed to, let Christ dig deep roots in your heart and transform you from the inside out. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. Hallelujah. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made what? Say it out loud. There's that idea again of maturity in your relationship with Christ. You're not a baby anymore, right? So there's an opportunity for growth to completeness, to maturity, to perfection, right? And he says, with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Mm -mm 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 -mm. You glad for that this morning? So I ask you if you had a vision for your, your family, right? Now think about that vision that you have, and then let's read this, this, this verse. Now, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power. Whose mighty power? Not yours. His. To do what? To accomplish infinitely. The word infinite means there's no beginning or end, right? So it's inf there's infinite possibilities for your family, right? And so he says, infinitely more than you might ask or think. In other words, God's vision for your family is way bigger than yours. And what he wants for your family, it will blow your mind. So you can take the vision that God has for your family and submit it to God, and it becomes his vision. Whoa, somebody. And then it works. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could dream up. That's God's vision for your family. Praise God. Can we just stop and praise God for that right now? Come on. Come on, you can do better than that. Amen. All right, I'm almost done, I promise. Here's another thing. Because you're accepted by God, 
you don't have to worry about being rejected by other people. Because part of the idea of a, a strong family is you know who you are in Christ. You don't need somebody telling you how good you are. Now, it's good to hear it, but I'm here to tell you, you're already accepted in Christ. And you don't need to hear that. He's already, he's already brought you into his family. And so if you can face that, you can say, you know, I'm accepted in the beloved. Then I can accept other people. I'm not fearing rejection. I don't care what people say about me. I'm going to accept people. Why? Because I've been accepted. That's God's work in you. Here's what Ephesians 1 says, verse 6. To the praise of the glory of his what? Grace by which he made us, say it loud, accepted in beloved. Because of Christ's sacrifice, you're accepted into the family of God. Can you celebrate that this morning? Mm-mm-mm. I love it. Here's another one. We know that he listens. How I many you know listening is a key to a great relationship? If you want a great family, learn how to listen. Guess who your example is? Him. We know that he listens to us. He hears us when we pray. And so what we can do is, out of an example, we can follow that and say, God has given me the ability to listen to my spouse, to listen to my kids, and therefore thrive. Here's what. 1 John 5 says, and we are confident that he what? He hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And so when you pray, when you have that, that alone time with God and you're, you're crying out to him, you're pouring out your heart, guess what? He's hearing. As a matter of fact, in the, if you look in the book of Revelations, every prayer that you've ever prayed has been stored up. Is God listening? Yes, he is. And because he listens, you can learn to listen too. And your relationships are thriving because of that. Mm-mm-mm. This is practical. And yet the God, what's going on is the Holy Spirit's doing something right in, inside of you right now. As I'm preaching, the Holy Spirit's quickening you on your inner man. Oh, okay, I can listen. I can do that. Because why? The love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. Here's another one. We know... That the incarnation communicates clearly how God feels about us. And our ability to communicate is the same. So here's, the, here's what that looks like. How many know words can be empty? If I tell you something and I don't follow through with action, what happens to the relationship? It erodes trust. If I do that long enough, over and over again, it's really bad. Anybody ever felt that or done that? And so what I have to do is I have to have my words and my actions line up. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't just say, hey, guys, I'm up here in heaven. I love y'all. I love y'all with everything within me. Is that what all he did? No. He demonstrated it. He put love into action. And so what does he do? God, the Father, the maker of heaven and earth, clothes himself in in human flesh and walks this earth without sin. Amen? And goes to a rugged cross and gets nailed to a tree all because of his love for you. 
Now, is that matching words and actions? Absolutely it is. And so because of that reality, because of what Christ has done on the inner side of us, and he's proved it and demonstrated by his love, you and I can do the same thing. Romans 5, 8. God, what did he do? He showed his great love for us. He didn't just say it. He lived it. He's your example this morning. So his communication wasn't just in words. It was in deeds. Here's the last thing before we close. We know that we are emotional people. How many of you know you're emotional? Mm -hmm. Some of you are more emotional than others. It's okay. Right? You know why you're emotional? Because God has emotions. And we're created in his image, right? Does God get angry? Does he? Absolutely. And God was angry. (laughs) And it's like the Hulk. You won't like me when I'm angry. Amen. Then there's sadness. How how does that work? Has God ever been sad? Absolutely he's sad. Every time we break a, 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 we're disobedient. Or every time we do something that's not quite right with Scripture, you know what the Bible says? That it grieves the Holy Spirit. How many know the Holy Spirit's God? And so he faces sadness. And then there's joy. How many like joy? Yeah, we love joy. He's the perfect example of joy. And so when, when a person comes to faith in Christ, they're following him, they love him, what are they doing? God, it makes God smile. There's joy. And so you and I have those same emotions. And God is saying to us, in the context of family, let's have them. Is it okay to get angry? Boy, I'll take you out. You ever done that? To your, to your kid or maybe, <laughs> maybe instead to your spouse, I don't know. It's okay to be angry. It's how you deal with the anger that makes the difference. It's okay to be sad. There's sometimes when, when our, man, people hurt us. The people that are closest to us a lot of times hurt us the most, don't they? And it's okay to grieve that. But I'm here to tell you, what's the remedy for that? Forgiveness. Forgive. Man, we heard a great story this week. Are you okay if I share it, Joni? Joni, one of our newest members, she came to me yesterday and she said, you know what, for the longest time I had a trouble forgiving my sister. But because of the work that the Christ has done on the inside of me, I was able to forgive her. It's okay to have the emotions, folks. But they don't need to have you. So the Holy Spirit is the one who works on the inside of you, helping you with those emotions. That's why one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Amen? And so what happens is we, we submit ourselves. We submit our emotions. We submit our, our conversation. We submit everything to the Lord in this context of the family ministry. Amen? And so the last thing as you're standing this morning, I want to ask you a couple of questions. I want to revisit that idea if you'll stand today. Remember the vision that God has for your family. Remember the vision that you have. Do you want to see that come to pass? I believe God has given you some tools today to help you. That If you'll just respond, continually respond to the gospel, 
God will do the healing in your heart. And your families will flourish. How many of you want that for your family? That's your vision for your family. Thank you for tuning in to our online broadcast here at Grow Church. We hope that you've heard something today that will strengthen and encourage you throughout the week. Make sure you tune in next week for our next broadcast. God bless.